Bradford sets off upfield. He wants a speech that'll run onto it. It might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the runner option. Jermaine Asako will score. fans and welcome to the round 19 review episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch. I'm joined out of line by our good friend Simo. How you doing, Simo? Yeah, no, pretty good. How about yourself? Mate, I'm all right. I'm all right. I was away for the weekend, so I'm feeling refreshed. I'm, my skin's peeling from everywhere because I um, didn't get burnt, but I got, got red and I've got that peeling forehead now. So apart from looking like a leper, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Any, uh, any big major news or life events or anything happened? Nah, no, none that I can think of. Yes, obviously, as you know, I got engaged on, um, on, on Saturday night. So, yeah, that's, that's my major news. That's my reason for missing the game. <laughs> but I, yeah, well, uh, I wasn't going to ask, but then you put it on Twitter. So I was like, well, people know. So I thought we could... Uh, the engagement, yeah. Put the news on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. So, and yeah. plus, I've obviously brought up your personal news in the past without approval. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what we do here. So, <laughs> but yeah, I got engaged, and uh, obviously, I'm at that point. We're both very happy. So, yeah, good, good weekend. Yeah, no, it's, uh, spin it in the sun. I mean, you don't know the feeling of being in cold you're from Rockhampton, but hey, mate, it gets some pretty cold. It got like nine the other day. Yeah, yeah, I know, sure that killed you, but yeah, I got to go away into uh, into the summer for a few days, and it was great. Yeah, no, it's ex- exciting times. It is, it is indeed. Anyway, let's get into the podcast. Speaking of exciting times, yes. Titans games. <laughs> great stuff. So anyway, the Brisbane Broncos, 34, defeated the Gold Coast, Titans, 12, somehow 16,000 people there, don't know how many were Titans fans, but anyway... A double to Katoni Stags, try to Oates, try to Lodge, try to Osako and try to Milford for us. Uh, five from six conversions and a terrible missed penalty goal from Katoni Stags early. Uh, over on the Titans side, Michael Gordon and Anthony Don got a try each and Gordon kicked two from two. In, um, in a game that was comfortable, like, honestly, from the kickoff. <laughs> like, it just didn't look in doubt from pretty much the moment the game started. Yeah, like, I was... Fairly comfortable, but even still, like it's always in the back of your head that you're gonna. I don't know what this team is gonna do, but when Milford scored that try, that was when it was super comfortable. Oh, you mean the try that put him up 34 points? Yeah, that try. <laughs> that try. <laughs> Mate, that's good for uh, you. God, when, when it was when it, what was it? 34, 12 at that point. Then it was comfortable, was it? When the final siren went, I was comfortable that we'd win the game. Yeah. Well, obviously, my, my review of this game, I watched this in Kuala Lumpur Airport on a, like, tablet screen on, uh, on what, Monday? Monday night. So, obviously, I might have the, the best review of the game. But, um, but yeah, it just seems to be this is the formula for us this year, I guess. We kind of got to the point it's like we haven't got much strategy with the ball in hand in terms of there's no real big set players or any big setup or anything, but it seems to be the, the way forward is, like, let the big forwards in Lodge, Haas, Pangai, you know, and even Fafita in this game flatten the other pack and then offload. <laughs> That's all we seem to have, offload and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, just the rest of the attack is very just boring. I mean, we've, we've discussed this before, but there's not much there really. Yeah, there's, um, no, there's still no set plays. And I don't know don't know if this week who, if, you know, if Dearden is going to come back into the halves for Terfin. I don't know, but... um. Yeah, we're not not really much involvement from our halves again. Obviously, Milford had a fantastic game, but yeah, it just seems you know we won and we we scored some good tries, but it just seems to be you know all out of indi- you know offloading second phase play and then a bit of brilliance on the back of it. Hey, we're just like a slightly better Penrith, like that's what we are. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are. Well, because the players are better, but um, 
Yeah, it's not exactly the uh, the attacking mastermind strategy that we were sold. <laughs> That's for sure. But um, it's working for now. It reminds me, I'm not saying we've gone on this kind of run, but it happens every now and then back end of a season that a coach just goes, screw it, just offload all day. And it reminds me that happened with... Um, it happened with uh, the like the Parramatta 2009 were like that. If you remember, they off offloaded crazy and then they had you know fullback who just carried their attack a bit. And then 2011 Warriors were similar as well. They just were like, screw it, just start offloading and see what happens. And you can win a few games and get on a, on a hot streak doing that kind of stuff, but it does worry you that we come up against the Storm this week. Like they're not just going to let us offload and do what we want. <laughs> Too good for that. So it does worry you when you play a good team. You know what our strategy is going to be. Oh, well, for me, our strategy is hope somebody else knocks them out of the finals <laughs> and we well, converse other teams. Yeah, well, we've got, yeah, that's it. But uh, in this game, it was, let's talk about, let's talk about Milford at fullback because obviously fan ba- a lot of the fan bases wanted that for a long time and uh, we've not always been on that wagon. We've been on the wagon like, fine, at six, we haven't got a, you know, whatever, what's the point? But, you know, obviously it's looking good at the moment, but it's not just me who thinks he's like, he, is he like 10 kilos lighter? I mean, I always thought he looked lighter than the rest of the fan base seemed to think he looked. Yeah. Like, but, yeah, he does look lighter. The thing that annoys me the most with Milford is, like, people act like these last four games are the only good games he's played since he played in a Raiders jersey. Like, yeah, <laughs> he was ridiculous in 2015, and he was even better in 2016. And yet those two years just get completely forgotten. Yeah. Oh, like he, yeah. People are like, oh, it's about time we saw this from Milford. It's like, what do you mean? He's had good games this year as well. <laughs> like, legitimately, in 2016, he could have been on, like, 30 Dally M points by the origin time. Like, mm. he was that good at the start of 2016. Yeah, but it hasn't been good since the Raiders days, mate. <laughs> yeah, always was a fullback. But it's like, and then people saying that, like, oh, he always was a fullback. He's been a terrible half. And it's like, well... He's doing both jobs at the moment, and he's looking good at both of them. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh. I mean, it just, it just kind of speaks to me anyway. It speaks to our... We've said this before. Our mismanagement of him the last couple of years, it's like we never seem to decide what we want out of Anthony Milford. And it's like at the moment now, he's lost some weight, but it's like why does he... Because obviously that's a team thing. He didn't decide just to lose weight after he got moved to fullback. Obviously it's a team, how they keep players at a certain weight or whatever. They've, they've trimmed him down to play fullback, but it's like, why did he need the extra five or six kilos to play halfback? Like, sorry, five, eight. Like, not like guys like Mitch Moses and the likes are huge and they defended the halves, but, you know, Milford was up to, listed at 92 kilos on the, on the, um, the Broncos' website. But I went back, like, I watched him play, well, obviously seen him play at fullback, but I went back early in the season. I never thought he was as fat as fans made out, as you said, but, you know, just certainly feels, looks slimmer through the legs and slimmer around the waist a little. And it's like, why do we need to bulk him up? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but yeah. Yeah, he's obviously looking good there, and I don't know. I don't know if his future is that the Broncos is fullback next year. I think that looks like it's going to be the plan moving forward. But it's like either way, I hope he just stays in this shape, and then we figure out what else is around it. Because this, like, I love Jake Turpin. We all do, but this like t- Turpin boy thing is not the answer for the halves. Like, it's another one of those games that yeah. Turpin ran the ball four times, Boyd ran it three times, but again, Boyd played 5-8 for an entire game and touched the ball 17 times in this game. <laughs> like, uh, what? I mean, we're literally playing football games without halves. Yeah, we like, are. Like, this is what these games are. Like, even Turpin touched it 41 times, whatever, which is still nothing for a halfback. Like, yeah, we're playing games without halves. It's like the forwards are just rolling through teams and then Milford's on the back of that. That's yeah, it. like that's that's our whole game is just Macca passing it to forwards to take up hit ups, and then Milford gets the ball every now and then. Like, like again in this game, pass twenty two touches, lodge twenty four touches, Boyd seventeen. <laughs> okay, because I know that's, you, you, you want your props touching the ball more than your halves. <laughs> I mean, lodge and halves are only on the field for half the time. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> imagine if they played eighty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Because in previous games, Boyd at least like been doing like ten dummy half runs to act like he was involved. This game, just like I'm out here, you guys do your thing. All the points are scored on the other side of the field, bar Oates' intercept. You know, and it's just like whatever. Just that's it. I'm just out here doing my thing, having fun, enjoying it. I've noticed yesterday he's enjoying five eight. It's what it sounds like he's just enjoying not having to be responsible for anything. 
He's just enjoying getting carried by the rest of the team. What what he needs to do is just like run across the field and like pass it to somebody, wrap around behind, like get the pass back, like a heap of one twos, and he'll yeah. rack up his touches. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's one of those things. Like this, this is we've always said this in the past. Like Milford, when he was in the halves, like always gets blamed. But he's always he's always trying to you know do something. He always got his hand on the ball. There's games this year he almost touched the ball seventy times in the halves, which is huge. And they switch into fullback, and then Boyd just cruises, and because he's not fucking up, people are like, oh mate. How good is your switch? Just because he's out of the way, it's like he's doing nothing. <laughs> Just because he's not like the worst player in the NRL apart from Dylan Edwards, yeah. he's, he's suddenly a great player again. Not yeah. well, People aren't saying he's great, but he's like adequate. And it's obviously that switch has worked for us this season because getting away from fullback, we've stopped running those terrible sweet plays. And we've, and we've stopped having those embarrassing defensive moments. And also, like, our fullback's actually returning kicks. You know, and the other two... And it's no coincidence. I've said this early in the season. Like, there is absolutely no coincidence that once Boyd's out of the back three, Oates and Osako also aren't making a lot of mistakes. Because they're not covering the bloody ground of another man, like, half a man each, and having to catch every bomb. It's no shock. Like, I don't think Oates has dropped the ball in a couple of weeks, and neither is Osako. What a shock. <laughs> Yeah, when, like, they only have to do one person's job. Yeah, so they have to run from the wing, scream over, and catch kicks for the fullback when he doesn't want, when he doesn't want them. Uh, yeah. I am enjoying Milford running the ball back with, in one hand, though. <laughs> it makes me nervous. I just, like, that's going to get whacked sometime. It is, that's it good. is. Enjoy it for now. On, um, on Oates, how long is his arms? They're like, ridiculous. That intercept. He's, <laughs> like, he had no right to get near that ball from that, and then... Obviously, he was never going to get caught, but I just, yeah. yeah, like four feet long. Yeah, yeah, well, apparently he was out of form. Everyone was saying it was shit house, like, whatever, but yeah, he had a, I thought he had a, a solid game in this one, and yeah, those uh, those big arms, fantastic. And I think that's um something he likes gambling on, taking taking the intercept at his size, but we probably could get away with it a bit, doing it a bit more, I reckon, because, you know, sometimes he jams in to nowhere. You know, it's like, mate, just, just go for the pick. You're huge. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, and Stags, absolutely no shock that, again, on his right, on back on the right-hand side, different player, eh? Like, both the tries he scored, they weren't even like there was an opportunity really that created. There was a half chance, but he just seems to be more comfortable stepping back on the inside. Everything about him on that side is more comfortable, eh? I mean, back there, he looks like the player that we saw glimpses of, like, you know, when he played a few games over there, and he looked like... Because it was every game he was, like, fending people off and making something happen, and that yeah. just disappeared. But, that's like, that's back there straight away again now that he's on that side of the field. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, both the tries he scored in this game, one of them was, you know, backing up an offload from Milford, and it was only a half chance, if anything. And the same with the f- uh, first one he scored too, but that's just the skill he has when he's back on the right-hand side. Yeah, no, he, he looks good, for sure. And, and thank God Asako's back kicking, like... I know Stag's got the kicking duties because they dropped Asako, but like it's not even the same class, is it? Like Stag, we like Stag's a player, but like missing that penalty goal, I'm glad that was like you know what, I'm not even gonna bother with the rest of these. <laughs> like, I'm out. Yeah, I mean, like I just found it odd that it took so long to give it back to Asako because it wasn't that he got dropped for like being a, a a bad kicker or a bad player. Like it was, he went over to his dad who was sick. Like, um. Yeah, so I just found it odd that it took so long because there's like been a couple of weeks now. Stag's been kicking; it's not been great at all. It hasn't been, and it's one of those things that Broncos fans, for some reason, thought that like, Sarko's been kicking poorly. He's still kicking at eighty percent. I think it's something like when it's the kickers on your team. I feel like people just remember the misses way more than they remember when they kicked them. Oh, absolutely! Like it's so easy to just sit there and remember all of us, like say Sarko or when Kahu was kicking all those misses, and then, but then you think of Adam Reynolds, and all you think about is him just like nailing kicks from all over the park. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like I was talking to a Manly fan earlier in the year, and he was going on about like, oh, he's glad Garrett's kicking because like DCE's a shit kicker, and it's true. Like a few years ago, DCE was a shit kicker, but the last two years he's kicking like eighty-five percent. It's like, well, that's yeah. about as good as you're going to get. But that's just it, because you only, you only remember the times, like, we need him to kick this sideline conversion or something, and they don't kick it. You don't remember that the guy's been slotting most of them over. And again, in this game, it's hard to kick them all by one. And just, yeah, he should just be our kicker. Whatever he's fit, you know, just, that's it, that's it. To be fair to Stags, too, he kicked them all by one as well. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did, indeed. 
So they're both as good as each other. So, you know, yeah. numbers don't lie. Yeah, well, speaking of numbers, you know, these aren't huge, but that's what I want to talk about the play style earlier, about how it increased. We really have focused on, like, an increase in offloads. Like, it's a few weeks in a row now that we've just, you know, it's not huge numbers. We're not putting up manly numbers of offloads, but Pango was leading the competition offloads before this week. And we had, what, I think it's about four, 12 or 13 odd in this game. What is it? Let me quickly check. Why have I lost this number? Yeah, we had 12 in this game. And um, I think it was 13 last game. We're bringing it up here now, but um, it's just been—it's been a big increase in the last few weeks. But the other thing that's really changed as well is that, like, as I was talking about how our halves aren't involved. For the first like, what is it, 16 rounds of the season, we went to the went to the line. Our halves did about 18 times a game. Like, went to the line, engaged the line, and passed. And now <laughs> in the last four games, we have like the total amount of line engaged from our halves we had in one game earlier in the season. They had like there was a game. Well, half went to the line three times in the entirety through <laughs> the game. Uh, that we had, I think, three in the last in the last game too. So it's just been a big, a big change in our uh, play style, which it can work for the short term, but this stuff just can't work going into next year. You know, and I don't know if Ian's back in this week, but it's just um, it's interesting. At least Seabold has changed that up. I know. I think a lot of it might be attached to how Boyd was playing at fullback. It's good that he's changed yeah. it up, but it's just not long-term sustainable to, to play that type when, you, when your halves are playing as passengers and you're relying on forward offloads. You just That's not a long, long-term long success plan. I was getting that. That just sounds very much like pass it to Fafita and see what he can make, which yeah. is almost something every single time he touches the ball. Well, that's it. Well, yeah, in the first nine rounds, we, we had more than 10 offloads once, for example. And then since round 13, we haven't had under 10 offloads. That's just been the way they're changing them. But yeah, be speaking of Fafita, it's a good old day for Fafita in this game. I don't, I don't know how we can go back to him being on the bench. How? Yeah, we'll find a way. <laughs> we will, or we'll go back to playing twenty-five minutes. It's that's. I mean, that's what I'm just looking out for. I just can't wait for it. Yeah, I know. He was like, as as you know, he was exceptional in this game, and like the line break he, he had early that led to Matt Lodge's try. Again, absolutely nothing on, and he gets through the line, and you know we create opportunity. As opposed to like Alex Glenn's a fantastic line runner now, it always has been, but it's like we're sending it tackled one on one by so many halves this year. Whereas Fafita doesn't even need an opportunity to create something. He just needs, he needs just the ball. Doesn't need his gut. Needs to need to run a halt line or anything, but just giving the ball when things happen. On the um on that run he made there, and then Gordon got sinbend, yeah. um because we scored a try like two plays later. Yeah. I was. I was cleaning the work car out, so I had the, the radio on. I was listening to the first part of this game, and obviously this bit happened in that. And After the try was scored, I, I don't know who was commentating. Somebody said it was Clinton Shafosky, but I'm not sure. Um, this is the, like the worst rural idea I think I've ever heard. He said he wanted the rule that if someone was sin-binned and then a try was scored, the person could come back from the sin-bin straight away. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, well, what's the penalty then for like, for for doing that right? Like, so by holding down, you're like essentially going to be stopping a try. Like, yeah. if you get up and allow a quick play the ball, which you should you should do, mm. your Broncos are scoring the next play. So like, you get, you're stopping a try, but then you know it's like, oh, you get sent in. Oh, they scored anyway. Yeah, come back on. It's all good now. Like, I just, like I ten like, times a game. <laughs> I know. I was like, like, for doing that, you need. There's supposed to be a punishment for that. Exactly, it's supposed to be punishment. That's ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's exactly right. You hold someone down in the in the open play when you're the fullback. Like, oh well, I stopped the try, and then you come right back on like 30 seconds later if your team concedes, or your team doesn't concede for the 10 minutes you're off the field. There's no. Yeah, well, we scored. Team. I think we scored three in that 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, but that's it. But if it goes that other way, there's no loss to that sim bidding. What a stupid rule idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I just was like, I, this is why you're on radio, champ. It is. And, and speaking of sim binnings, let's talk about the Pangai one. What do you think? Um, I, I mean, it was definitely worse than some other ones that got sim bin, like the Ponga one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind so much the penalty and the sin bin. I kind of wish we challenged it at the judiciary because like Copley was there pushed him I like it seemed pretty much front on like with his chest more than like it wasn't a shoulder charge yeah um 
like I just think there was enough there to definitely be able to challenge it. I I don't really mind the sin bin, like a lot. There was always a lot of talk when people were talking about banning the shoulder charge that like you know it was good for the game and how about you leave it in but if ever you hit the head like you just punish it really harshly and like that's what happened here he came racing in and smacked the guy like obviously whoever catches the ball is going to move and like you just got to be careful not to hit the guy in the head and I, I i don't think he was like that careful in it really he just came in wanting to whack him yeah i'm with you on that i i, I agree he actually deserved to be simbin I didn't see it in the first look through. Like I didn't like as the referees. Like I didn't see. I was like, "What are they stopping here for?" And I think Pangai knew. He didn't look as impressed with himself after it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, yeah, we saw the replay, and I agree, Simbinning's right. And I'm also with you that like, I don't know if he, can, you know, considering how they've generally charged things, I don't don't know if he deserved to miss time for it though. I think the Simbin one is sufficient. And I'm with you. You, deserve, you hit someone in the head. Incidental or not, whatever, you deserve to be simbin pretty much like that with the shoulder, but I'm not sure if he deserves to miss a game for it. You know, I've always said before, I'm not really about trying to get players off the field for one week. You know? I've, you know, you know, if it's a longer-term suspension, fair enough, but I'm about players trying to pl- get players on the field, you know? But anyway, it's unfortunate we didn't fight it, but we just don't seem to fight anything, hey? Like, there was that... Remember that uh, Sam Thiday one a few years ago that was like he didn't hit someone... He hit someone with his head and they didn't bother fighting it? Yeah. Like, okay. I think the only one, it. the only one we really fought was the free Hodjo night on Twitter, like way back the grand final. Yeah, um, and that's it. We when he dropped, to fight those. yeah, yeah. I mean, then on the other hand, maybe they were like, you know, if we fight and we lose, it's two weeks, and you know, like we're going to lose to the Storm anyway. So, like, what does it really matter if he misses this game? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's it. Like, I, I mean, I, I never think we have a chance to beat the Storm anyway. And we, I mean, we'll go through the record. Let's may as well look at, go through it now. But it's like we've beaten them like three times against Ken Smith. It's just terrible. <laughs> I just can't wait for him to retire. Eh? Just yeah. hurry up, champ. But that's like, and yeah, we've beaten him, you know, like three times. But yeah, without Pang guy, I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I so he, he Ken Smith event against the Broncos is 28 wins and eight losses. God. Yeah, but we got the one that counts. We do, but he's lost. So what? He's only he's lost to us what 2016, 2015, and then before then 2009. Oh my god! He lost his first three games against us. Then he went 25 and <laughs> then he went 28 and five after that. That's brilliant. Yeah, oh I mean god. that's crazy. It is crazy. I mean we all know the terrible record we have against him, but they're on six in a row against us right now. It's just he's- not good. The last one we won would have been, like, the Great Wall of China game. Uh, yeah, 2016. That, yeah. That was it. Uh, was it 2016, that game? Yeah, it was. That would have been the last one we won. Or was it 2015, that game? No, 2015 was that game. Wasn't it? Yeah. And then we won in 2015 was that game because we didn't score that many points. And then we, so we won them, beat them twice down there. We haven't beat them at Suncorp since the dawn of time, I believe. I believe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not even upset by that anymore because I've just given up hoping for it, so... Yeah, like... It's just like, you just mark it off on the calendar as, you know, oh, yep, you just get that one. We last beat them at Suncorp in 2009. I mean, my question, though, is just why do we have to verse them twice every year? <laughs> right? Because it's always like a rotational thing. I know we play, you know, sometimes twice, every, almost every year, but we do, we're one of the teams that has to play the Storm twice every year. And we never get the Knights twice. No. We only get the Knights twice when they're good, but they're never actually good. So, <laughs> so we versed them twice in like 2002. Yeah, that's it. Many of we got the Storm this week. But um, yeah, anyway, should we, should we move on from this game? I don't know if there's much else you want to touch on before we move on. Um, uh, yeah, I just I was sick of Macca. I saw like yeah. he gave away that dumb penalty. It was on the last tackle gives it away and then two tackles later they scored and it's like like the line was set and he's just lying on all top of the bloke mm. it, it just yeah well, actually, <sighs> he frustrates me does. so much I will say our defence in general really has improved though which is good because the start of the year like anytime someone got now 20 we conceded and the last couple of weeks that's improved massively I know we haven't been tested by great teams in that period 
but at least, you know, we were conceding against anybody at the start of the year. <laughs> it didn't matter who it was. Yeah, I mean, I think the Storm are going to put 40 past us. Yeah. And then um, and that's we'll, even, that's like with Brody Croft. And shout out to Patrick Carrigan, who I said I hadn't been that impressed by it in first grade. Obviously spoken a bit <laughs> early, but... Our, He's been good ever since. He has, but I mean, our, generally the hot, the bar for how our young forwards perform generally is out of the gate. They kill it. But uh, Par- Carrigan's had like three really good games in a row, and I thought he was great again in this game. But yeah, fair, fair. Yeah, fair, he's fair, definitely fair. Uh, definitely stepped it up. It's yeah. good to see. And I think Reese Kennedy's actually been pretty solid signing too. I mean, you know, he's never going to set the world on fire, but he's done his job in his, you know, like 25 minutes or so he plays a week. So that's been fine. He's already earned another contract next year. So I'm happy for him to be like that next drop prop on a full strength. Yeah, as we said at the time, like, for someone filling in that role, you're happy for it to be someone who's a lot on a lot less money than what Sewer was. Well, that's you know, it. Like, and I like said I wanted someone who's you know a bit more experienced. I don't want to keep bringing in young fellas. And like Kennedy's just that like guy who like just does his job for 20 minutes, then goes off. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Jaden Sewer still still not doing anyone's job. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> he's he's not doing his own job for 20. He's not. He's not. I mean, imagine. Imagine being a professional footballer and it's like you're just expected to do 20 minutes of work a week. Yeah. And then you, like you, just get to, you just get to sit on the bench the rest of the game. You have the best seats in the stadium and just watch a terrible football team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, anyway, let's, um, let's move on to fan questions on, and thoughts, huh? Man, this is going to be a quick episode. Is it? That's good. We say that all the time, and then we hear yep. after an hour. <laughs> we're, only, we're at 25 minutes at the moment. Um, right from Dale. He said, hypothetically, who would you throw big dollars at for 2020? <sighs> okay, are we talking about who's left off contract, or are well, we talking about anybody? Mine, two weeks ago, would have been James Maloney. I would have loved, like, I don't know if he's too past it now, but I would have loved a year or two of that. So would have, a lot of fans would like... like uh, who was it? Uh, Crash Craddock just said, oh, the Broncos should have a run at him. And a lot oh, of yeah, fans we were, should ha- have. were hating that idea. And I was, I was shocked. I was like, well, why? It's like, we, we have, we're perfect. We're like, one or two years of him at six. Yeah, he might be finished, but we don't need, again, we don't need the world's greatest six or seven. We just need someone who, you know, steers the team around a little good kicking and that kind of stuff. And exactly what James Maloney is good for. I just think he is, he's a winner. He just wins, and the two people who I think are the most underrated players in the whole NRL is him and Cooper Cronk. Like, people think, you know, the whole, like, underrated means good and overrated means bad. Like, both of these players, everyone thinks is good, but I just think they're better than most people think they are already. Like, he just, every club he goes to, he wins games, makes them great. Like, and I just think our club would definitely benefit from a year or two of that. I think Maloney struggles from, like, he hasn't stayed at a, a team long enough for, like, that fan base to push his case for, like, 10 years. So it's like the Sharks actually... Remember if they won the grand final at the Sharks, people were actually finally going, oh, wow, this guy wins everywhere. But he left the Sharks and he's at Penrith again and nobody gives a shit anymore about his time at the Sharks. Like, he hasn't had enough of momentum at a club to get that little story behind him, hey? Because as you said, he, I know, like, he hasn't really signed at any club, which is weird, but everywhere he's gone... Wins have followed him. That's including it at you know at the, at the Warriors, and yeah, got to know, a grand final. Got to a grand final, and like I don't want to overblow that every single time he goes somewhere they win. It's just him, but you know he's finished his career with a sixty-one percent win ratio, pretty much, and he's played you know for the Warriors. He played for the Roosters, and when the when he left the Roosters, they almost got the spoon, the Sharks, and Penrith, and you know pretty much only had one losing season his entire career across multiple I mean, clubs. Like, it's impressive to win that many games when you've essentially, like, good on him, he's earned the money, but, like, he has just managed to go around, find every time his contract's up, whoever will pay him the most and take the most money, and, like, yeah. good on him for that, and he's managed to win a lot of games. He's won premiership, like, uh, two premierships? Yeah. Yeah. You know, pretty good career. Yeah, and, I mean, you could argue, you know, people say, oh, but he happened to be at good teams. He's, that's why his record's that good. It's like, well, Mitchell Pierce spent, you know, 10 years or so at the, at the Roosters, and he's just got a winning record. He's just got a 51% career winning record, but it's like, it's not a coincidence that when Maloney was there, the Roosters absolutely kicked it, but, you know? I mean, people can say that, but, like, look at the Warriors after he left. They're nothing like that 2011 side. 
the sharks like either side of him being there i mean there was also like some drugs and stuff there um which helps but still you know like they weren't they weren't much to write home about before they won a premiership and then he's gone and they've gone down the drain too like um pierce never would have won a premiership if maloney wasn't there but that's it like as you said like it's not that He's obviously going around and turning around terrible clubs or whatever, but it's like he's just like, for, when he went to the Roosters and the Cronulla, he was like the perfect cherry on top of that team. Like, he was exactly what they needed. And it, I'm not saying he would have wore a premiership to Brisbane, but I'm with you. I would have loved to have him for two years or a year. Just, yeah. But as who are people off contract around the competition now, there's pretty much nobody I want. <laughs> like, who off contract for next year. I looked at the off contract list the other day, and I'm looking at it again now, scrolling through, and it's like, maybe. I want to take like Tristan Saylor from the Dragons and see what he turns into. <laughs> like, I don't want anyone. I want to get Mitch Moses, and you know we've got the manager, the player manager around at the club. Like we could make this happen, but <laughs> well, he's still on contract though. That's that's, that's yeah, but we we could still make this happen. Like yeah. like well, you've said this, other people have said this. He's the biggest flat track bully in the NRL, and behind our forward pack, you're going to be on a flat track most weeks. So. Oh, yeah, how good is he when, this, when Parramatta are rolling when he's confident? That's it. You have yeah. Him and Milford at Suncorp, behind our pack, we probably wouldn't lose at Suncorp for another five years. <laughs> Don't know how they go on the hard away trips, but that's it. I, I don't like the bloke, but I'd definitely take his games at Suncorp. Yeah. Well, he's also being a bit of a left, less of a whiny bitch as he ages. Eventually, that, that obviously ages out of you eventually, so... But see, I also want somebody to just, like, abuse Macca when he passes the wrong way and just goes for the fourth hit up in a row. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, well, okay, maybe we can get. What if, what about Gareth Willem? Does he want to go to England anymore? Let's just. What does he stay? I want to see. I'd take Willem. Like Broncos are known for turning around a you know a pass at Dragon Six that yeah. <laughs> nobody else wants. Yeah, let's take him in. But yeah, like in terms of players, I want. I, I've said before, I'd, I'd want to. I'd like an experienced thirteen, or, or now potentially a six or one to, to pair with Milford. So obviously, I said Valentine Holmes in the past, but I don't know. Again, off-contract 13s, I'm not interested in any of them. And same with off-contract halves. There's nobody left off-contract this year that I'm interested in. Next year, I like, there's like... Oh, who's at the Titans that's worth taking? Nobody. There's AJ Briggs is off-contract next year, but um, I don't think he's the answer to 5-8 for us. Um, oh, we could play Lodge at... Lodge. Sorry, I was going to say, we could play Lodge at lock. Like, he can pass a fair bit yeah. and stuff too. Yeah, actually, no, let's get Ryan Pappenhausen. He can play be our fullback. Honestly, I'd take like any of the Storm fullbacks yeah, at the exactly. moment. Yeah, exactly. Who's one of the fullbacks? One of like the 10 fullbacks you've got. <laughs> Somebody needs to put like a, the top 10 fullbacks in the league together and like realistically the Storm would have three in there. Mm. That's ridiculous. And they had drink water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also know. like yeah. Munster deserves to be on that list. He's like the second or third best fullback in the league. Yeah. Okay, who I want? I want Jake Clifford at the Cowboys. That's who I want. He's off contract next year. That's what I'll say. We'll just chase him for the year after. He'd be our six. And stealing people from right the Cowboys, I'm about it. Suits me. <laughs> uh, from Jamie, he said, Our left edge defence scares me. If it's the same as last week, Storm are going to destroy it. Uh, well, what's coming in now this week is likely Xavier Coates is going to start there. <laughs> as we know well, well when he played on the right against the Warriors. And, and, and the Storm are not notorious for picking out weaknesses at all. So it's going to be fine. It'll be perfect. Yeah, I... Broncos 13+. plus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, from Jono, he said, thoughts on Flag- Flagler's long-term suitability at lock? Should we be looking at higher minute prospects? Uh, I think our, minute, our minutes um, are, are you know, all over the park, obviously. like I think we don't need a high minute lock because we've got Lodge and Haas are going to play 60 minutes. But I do think like the club's long-term plan is to move Pangai back there and keep Gillard on the edge. So I, just think, I don't think Flagler is our solution at lock. Uh, from Cameron, he said, do you think they're calling too many forward passes? It's such a shame when a team scores a great try for only for it to be called back for sometimes questionable forward pass. It's also annoying when they get poor defences off the hook. Unless it's blatantly forward, I would let them go. Um, No, I get annoyed when they don't call the really blatant forward passes. I don't really care about the line ball ones. I actually, I'm with you, I'll let those go. I don't think they're calling too many, but I'm really, I get really annoyed. Like the one against the, sh- the Warriors the other week, where it was like the Sharks threw it like clearly like five meters forward, and there was across the line, you could see it clearly, and they don't call those ones. They annoy me. So that's when it annoys you, and they gr- they call a line ball one after missing those ones. But 
I don't think they're calling too many forward passes, though. Yeah, I I think that's the only thing people really can have to complain about is, yeah, a few of the shockers let get let through. Yeah. If you call all of those and then you call, like, you know, most of the line ball ones, like, I, I don't think there's really much to complain about there. I, like... Most of the ones that got called on the weekend I thought were forward anyway, so I, I don't mind them being called. Like, throw it back if you don't want to be called yeah. for a forward pass. And, and I'm of the opinion, though, like, I, the chase, chasing perfection is wrong. It's never going to happen in rugby league. But I'm of the opinion that we should be able to rule on them for video referee vision anyway, just because those really terrible ones, like when you watch a replay and it's clearly like five metres forward, those ones should... I, I don't know how you can sit there and be happy with that. But, but like, the whole the Hawkeye thing that the NRL mentioned... Now, I don't know about what they got quoted on what it costs, but I'm telling you right now, it is not going to happen in the next 10 years at minimum because to have Hawkeye for every pass in the game, you're going to have to have cameras, like a million cameras. They're not doing yeah. it. They just said that. It's a scare tactic, and it's worked because immediately they said Hawkeye could do it. Like, five players are coming out like, oh, no, no, don't do that, whatever. They're doing this as a scare tactic, telling people, like, this is the alternative. If you want us to... To call forward passes, we've got to call every forward pass. People don't want that. Like, there's why, like, at the Australian Open, which is one of the four biggest tennis tournaments in the world, they only have Hawkeye on two courts. Like, and that their court's the size of a tennis court, not a football stadium. Like, it's it'd be so hard to do Hawkeye. It, it costs squillions. Like, it costs the NFL just to do that, red, that yellow line. And obviously, in the future, that'll change. But it costs them when they first put it in, like $100,000 a game. Again, to put the yellow line on the broadcast. Yeah, and that's why, like, they didn't do it forever because, like, and how simple is, like, a yellow line on the ground? Yeah, I know, that's why they didn't do it forever because they need so many cameras to do it. And obviously, technology is getting better in that regard, but Hawkeye's tech that they use for cricket and tennis, you just mentioned, it's not going to come to rugby league because even in cricket, it's like it's one view and they don't have it. A lot of leagues can't afford it. They only need one camera for it, pretty much. Well, not one, but like the same set cameras. Yeah, well, like. In cricket, you've got literally... Well, you've got both ends of the pitch, yeah. but, like, it's set on one very specific, like, square metre on the pitch. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's all you need. Like, and then tennis, you know, you got, like... Obviously, the, a, a tennis court's not that big, you know? Yeah. And it's one of those It's worth... It'll be, it'll be millions upon millions upon millions in order to do it. They'd never do it just because of the couple of forward passes people whinge about, but... Yeah. And then imagine, too, the whinging that would happen when, like, most of your games happen at Suncorp in the big stadiums, and then Penrith take a game to a regional area, and a forward pass doesn't get called because they don't have Hawkeye set up in, like, Orange. Yeah, exactly. And then you got to think about it as well. It's like, well, every regional game, there's no forward passes, as you said. So, yeah. It could be, like, round 25, we're going to take my game to a regional areas and, you know, whatever. We'll see. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play Tom Brady yeah, as my yeah. halfback. <laughs> and the referees forgot how to call them because they haven't called one for, <laughs> for two years. <laughs> It's flawless. it's flawless. We're getting back in the finals. Yeah. Uh, rightio. Um, next question. Last one here on Facebook from John. He said, so with Milf looking like he is a fullback, Boyd did in halves combo next year. Doesn't really excite me. Where does Boyd play and do we get a 5-8? Is there any available? Uh, I'm, I might vomit if he's our 6 next year. It looks like he's going to be <laughs> our 6 next year. Right? Cause like, now he's found some form. The, the Well, not form. He's found a way to avoid public pressure. I don't think he'll retire. I thought if he kept going as a fullback and every week people were ripping into him, he was going to retire or they were going to find a way to get rid of him. Now it feels like he might be like, let's hide him at 5-8 for a season and see what happens. But no, it doesn't excite me at all, like in the slightest. It's so depressing. It is. And like I'm, I'm a fan of Sean O'Sullivan as well and I'm, and I'm a fan of Dearden at Prospects, but I don't like that. Haas combination doesn't excite me either. And, like, and in the end, this is actually why I think Milford for the Broncos could be the best at 5-8 long term because like finding a fullback is easier than finding a 6 because as we see every year the Storm pull like three fullbacks out their ass but they, pl- they plug in whoever they can in the halves because they can't find any halves <laughs> I mean Brody Cross playing half yeah. you know for them like um, over on to Twitter this is from DW Kingston he just messaged um Instead of, yeah. Uh, he said, I prefer O'Sullivan to Dearden, admittedly, in the minimal sample. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I so do I. And it's actually quite funny. I was talking to someone on the club's coaching staff a few weeks ago. I'm not going to say who it was, obviously, but they were saying, like, they actually, like, they're going about how much they really rate Dearden, uh, O'Sullivan, as, like, his footy brain 
and and when his ball skills, they had the same thoughts. I think many of us that had watched him, it's like he might be too slow to play first grade for a long time, though. Like he is really slow, Abe. Have you noticed that? Yeah. So it's like his his brain ticks over really well and whatever, and then that's probably why pet clubs might invest more time in someone else over him because like he's not going to get any faster. You know, and it doesn't matter how, how well you, your brain ticks over if you can't play at the same speed of the game that everyone else can. But I think O'Sullivan, to me, is the one I'd rather play now and maybe for next year as well because you just seems like to have the, the better you know, way to st- better at steering the team around while Dearden can learn in reserve grade. But I think the club will go the other way and go, Dearden's a better long-term prospect and play him. What, what do you think, Simo? Um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it going either way. I'd rather play O'Sullivan like as you said like whoever would be the best for that individual year it's kicking um, better. yeah and like there's Storm Show with heaps of people it doesn't hurt to let people play Q Cup for a while you know and like build their game so didn't doing that for a while definitely isn't going to hurt yeah. um, speaking of slow though I can't believe we forgot to talk about this Jared Wallace is charged down of oh, the slowest God. midfield bomb ever McCulloch put up like he took three years to kick that and then Wallace charged it down and, and then the foot raise. Yeah, oh my goodness! And then the drop. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> and it's just kid. that whole, <laughs> that whole play was just a disaster. He's, just oh. he's such a tosser, Jared Wallace. Though, hey, he just is. He was like certainly was scoring. He was so devastated oh. by it. It's like, mate, come on, you know who you are. <laughs> Did you see him then? Like as he got tackled, he's like, yeah, sub. I'm getting off, guys. Yeah. And he just like subbed himself off. Yeah, but that that was. That was, yeah, one of the worst foot races you'll see. It was great. Good entertainment, obviously. But yeah, McCulloch took about 10 years to put the bomb up. <laughs> the slow chase. And then luckily somehow tapped the, like got his hand around and tapped the ball out of Wallace when he was diving in a diving motion. But yeah, um, uh, it was a terrible play all around. It was, it was very fitting of a Titans game, but unfortunately one of the guys plays for us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, righto from Osport Matters he said any in-depth recap of young Mitch and Simo watching 2006 Grand Final did you go I'll assume you spent the first 30 minutes of this podcast lamenting storm losses <laughs> we haven't but we're in there at some point a little bit of lamenting oh, I did go to the 2006 Grand Final it was um, what was it about it's, it's I don't know why I've told this part but I will anyway it was like two years after my parents kind of split my dad got kicked out of the house whatever we hadn't spoken much and what a surprise, Simo. I decided to rekindle my relationship with my dad when I needed grand final tickets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it was actually the first time I met my stepmom was at that was at that game and I was a bit of a 16-year-old. Couldn't stand it, but I, I had to put up with it to, to get the grand final tickets. I couldn't afford the, you know, 150 bucks or whatever as a 16-year-old. So best friends for the day. Obviously me and the stepmom, but I didn't speak to her again for like another year after that. We're fine now. But yeah, that was, you know, I did use them to get there for that. And I still remember that game like... At the game, I didn't think the refereeing was, you know, one-sided or anything. But obviously, I'm a Broncos fan anyway. But I got home. It's back in the time I used to go on, like, internet forums. And everyone was going on about the refereeing being disgraceful. I was like, what, what do you mean? What have I seen? And I watched the replay, and it's classic, like, the whole replay. Channel 9 are going on about how Phil Gould's going about how Broncos got the rub of the green and all the, all the way through. It's like, okay. Okay, champ. Yeah, that, that poor Storm side are known for uh, getting... Getting getting the hard done by with their referees, aren't they? They never get the they never get the calls of storm side. Yeah, I mean, just some tough Aussie battlers, those that lot down there at Melbourne. Yeah, it was, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't actually with live. I don't remember much of the game, but um, I remember Shane Webke taking a hit up and me one of them realizing, okay, he actually is finished. <laughs> I remember that, like he got just walloped the one hit up, and that didn't happen very often. I remember the field goal, but not much else. I remember that from from that when I was at the game. Any uh, 2006 grand final memories yourself? Um, I would have been like 15 at the time. I don't remember much from yeah from that year. I remember the field goal, and I remember then knowing we'd won it. Um, I remember thinking the Broncos just you know we'd win a premiership every few years. Um, I remember like I've watched the game since like since then and. I mean, we definitely... The refs definitely didn't hurt our yes, chances at a premiership. <laughs> they didn't hurt them. They did not. I um, Yeah. But um, it's... Might, oh, sorry, yeah, mate. I was going to say, we might have to watch this game, like, Friday night. Yeah, review that instead. 
But yeah, you, you, you do mention the funny thing. I remember walking out of that stadium and then it, it had been, you know, five years or whatever, you know, or six years, sorry, since we last won the comp. I remember saying to my dad, God, it had been a long time. <laughs> it's about time we won another one. <laughs> God, spoiled brat fan base, weren't we, at one point? I mean, we're still spoiled brats, mind. We're on here winter having a terrible season. We're bloody eighth. <laughs> so we are spoiled brats, but... Um, I was going to say, you haven't spoken to your stepmom since because Broncos haven't made a grand final yeah. and you don't need tickets. Yeah, exactly, I don't need tickets. I can afford <laughs> them now anyway. But yeah, I still was thinking, gee, it's been, it's been too long. <laughs> For bloody six years. Uh, from Nathan Chip 22 he said, could all these recent injuries spell out their early retirement for Gillette? A solid training game against Gold Coast. Um, glad if we could get close to Melbourne on Friday, I'll be happy, but not expecting any miracles. Yeah, I don't want to talk out of out of line here on Gillette, because I I'm not a, a doctor or a physio. But it does seem like he's getting to that point now that he's just getting like heaps of just random injuries. I don't know if they're related to the neck injury. Or anything like that, but it's like he's had hamstring injuries this year. Did he have a calf injury at one point? And then he's got a back injury now, and it just seems to be he's like he's just at that point now. He's just going to start breaking down potentially. Oh man, yeah. how good is that? Uh, Three that contract years. looking. I mean, sorry. Here we go. James K underscore thirteen twelve. I think Jillo missed training again today. That four year deal is looking better by the week. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we fired up when that happened at the time. Like, what are they doing that, like, mid, just after he gets his neck injury, add another year to his deal? So, what? <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, yeah, he's, it's hard to see him continuing his level for a while. And smart club for mine would dump him on somebody else, as, like, whilst he's still got the cachet of what his name carries. And, oh, it's a couple of injuries. I'd be dumping him this off-season. But I think the worst thing about it is, you know, we know we got him for a, for a while left now, and he doesn't make our side better when he comes back anymore. No. Uh, from Corey Goats, can we just skip this week and concede a negative 20 points differential? Yeah, I wish I was in Malaysia for this weekend, because bloody hell, like, I'm just... <laughs> I don't want to watch this play the storm at Suncorp. What, and we'll be in it for 20 minutes, too, as we always seem to be. In it for, like, 20 minutes, and then we'll do something. Something's terrible will happen, like that Billy Slater drop ball, grab a kick, try... Break our back and then we'll lose by 40. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying don't get your hopes up for a podcast next Saturday, this weekend. Yeah, if we get absolutely um, towed, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <I'm> just not. <laughs> uh, from Triple Eight, he said, tell me again how bad your top eight season is going. <laughs> <laughs> just what I said, yeah. Spoiled Brads. Uh, I, still I mean, still lost more than we've won. <laughs> To be fair, also, no one said it's been a terrible season for, like, the last four weeks. Yeah. It's been at least four weeks that it's been a terrible season. No, it's... Um, people acting like we're locked into the finals now. I don't think we're locked in at no, all. No, we're not. We're not. Like, I mean, it's not like the run is the easiest time. Like I said, we've got the storm this week, and there's just, just, just no chance. And then we go away to the Cowboys, and, you know, I think we're probably, you know, even odds to beat them up, beat them. But they've been all right in recent weeks. And then we host Penrith. And I know, as you said, we are Penrith. <laughs> like, we're, the, we're the same side right now. And then we the, host the Bunnies, who they'll probably tell us. And the host the Eels. Like, there's, we have to win no, f- four or five of those games to make the finals. I honestly think the way we have been playing, so this is obviously reliant, as we talked before, reliant on having who we want in the second row and not Glenn and Gillette. You kind of have that team together at Suncorp. I think we win all the Suncorp games except the Storm one. Yeah, I actually I said this a few weeks ago. I said it, us making the finals, I think we both agreed, it relies on if we have, if we play Fafita and Pangai in the back row, I think we'll make the finals. Um, but yeah, like you said, if we come into, you know, hosting Penrith and Rabbitohs and Eels and we've gone back to, you know, Jill at one edge, Glenn the other edge, bloody like Xavier Coates or Shibasaki in the centres and um, pa- Pangai at lock, I don't think we'll make the finals. Uh, for Fatboy95 underscore, he said, is Seabold a coward for not naming Parisi in the top 21? Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't believe Coates is playing in the centres against the Storm. Like, Coates is obviously a fantastic prospect. Obviously, but I can't believe we're doing this again. After seeing what it would ha- well, that's likely what's going to happen. Apparently, until they misses, like seeing what happened when just the Warriors played him. It's like, oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Will Chambers is going to be real nice. I'm sure, he's not going to yeah. not going to target him at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, King Wally won. 
I put my mortgage on the storm by 42 points this week. Thoughts? Well, you haven't got a mortgage. You bet nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's lost his house about every week yeah, this season. But, yeah, look, 42. Maybe you can probably go up to 50. Just going to bet you everything you've got. Why not go all in? Yeah, well, as I said to you, I probably would have bet about 40 points, but yeah. I uh, spent all my money on alcohol, so I've got no betting money left. Um, assuming Milford is fullback, who's, what is your preferred spine for 2020, and what do you think Harvard Tony might do? God. It's, isn't it terrible I don't know how to answer this question? <laughs> Hang on. But see, he replied with one Milford, six Josh Reynolds, <laughs> seven the next next Alan Langer, and nine Turpin. <laughs> God. Uh, I don't know. If, so Mil- he's, we're already saying Milford is fullback. Okay. So obviously my preferred. I'll tell you what. I mean, not on full money, but on some money, I'd take Josh Reynolds. Whatever, I don't care. If we get him on like 200k, I'd take him over Darius Boyd for six, I'll tell you that much. Mate, I'd even take him on like 400 to 500. Just to get him at at six? Yeah, like he's... He's going to be there, he'll be yelling at people. He'll yell at Macca. If if we want to play stupid rugby league, we'll just offload and see what happens and be crazy. He's perfect. (laughs) Mate, he would have like... He would have a game plan. He would be making stuff happen. There's worse people to have, like Darius Boyd, in your number six. Hasn't it got dark that now we have Boyd at six, we literally think about taking on Josh Reynolds just to get Darius Boyd out? (laughs) Literally any other six in the comp. Well, well, if it's on current... (laughs) The guy that's got got more uh, appearances for Fox Sports than the Tigers. Yeah. (laughs) If it's on current stocks, I'm going to obviously say... 9 Turpin, 14 Sekiaro, 1 Milford as you made me pick, and then if it's on what we currently have, I'd just go O'Sullivan and Dearden and the halves. Even though I don't like that combination together, that'd be it. That's what I'd like to see. But um, Corey Pakes is obviously a long-term prospect at 6 again, but I don't want to keep throwing in more kids. I'd love to have it to sign somebody. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously, yeah, pretty much that if you have to have Milford at fullback. If you're cheating a bit, I would still have Milford at six and Asaka at fullback. Or, what do we think? Okay. Are we thinking Jack Bird six chances? Are we back on that way? I mean, I don't mind it because we can see what we can do with a 5-8 that does nothing but three dummy half runs and make a couple tackles. Like, Jack Bird can do that better than Darius Boyd, so why not? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about that much, but I'm like, if you can give me, you know, obviously Staggs is one centre, and you give me maybe after an off-season we put Parisi the other centre or something similar. Or maybe after an off-season, Farmworth or Coates is more ready for first grade next year to play centres. You know, I'd, I'd be okay with a um, give Bird a run at six, and maybe that could be one of their options next year. You know, I hadn't thought about yeah, that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, because at least, yeah, he, you, know, he'll t- you know, he likes taking the line on running the ball not the, not the world's best kick up but his defence is decent and when he did play in the halves last year he was yelling at the forwards often and I'm, I'm all about that if, again if you're, one of the jobs you, sorry, you want for the job is someone who will yell at McCulloch I think he might do that <laughs> I love I love how three years ago like every half prospect we had the question was what's his kicking game like yeah. and now it's like can you yell at McCulloch yeah. like <laughs> well it seems to have accepted Milford is doing all the kicking <laughs> yeah, yeah, doesn't matter where like, he's playing. Kicking sorted. So just can you yell at McCulloch? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, That's that it. was the last. Okay, yep. sweet. Have you got any recommendation station before we get out of here? Then uh, I do. Um, I'm getting more and more niche every week as we go. But um, if any of you ever go to a tiki bar, <laughs> <laughs> good start. <laughs> I mean, well. This isn't my recommendation, okay. but first off, if you go to a tiki bar and you haven't had one, a Mai Tai is the the first drink you order. Mai Tais are delicious. But, yeah, yeah. But if you're over Mai Tais, like, not over them, but, like, if you know what they are, if you got them, a painkiller. Get one of those, because I have been on those the last few nights. Painkillers? I mean, people look at you funny when you say you're addicted to painkillers, but, man, these are good. It's like, you've had a pina colada, surely. Yeah, yeah. I had one on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's like a pina colada, but like the adult version. Like it's like pina colada is a kiddie's drink, and you step it up, and you've got the adult version of it, and man, it's good. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Oh, it's got like pineapple juice, orange juice, 
cream of coconut and a pile of rum. Well, it sounds good already. I'm, I'm, I'm quite pro uh, rum and pineapple juice based cocktail. Oh, and the best bit about it is like there's three versions. So you've got the painkiller one, two or three, depending on how much pain you're in. You just add more rum. That's good. That's good. And what's your other recommendation station? Is, is it that? <laughs> um, no, no, that was my no, recommendation was. station. Okay. Oh, I was just saying like, I'm not recommending Mai Tais. Like everyone should know Mai Tais. Yeah. But, like, that's the first drink you get at a tiki bar, but the second drink you get is the painkiller. <laughs> okay, well, for me, obviously, I was uh, I was away, so I haven't really got much recommendation for the weekend. But I did finally do something everyone's been recommending me to do, and that's watch Stranger Things. <laughs> so I watched the first two, well, the first season, and I've got the last episode of season two now to watch. And I watched it on the plane over and back and whatever. And I'm going to recommend that to people who haven't watched it. You've probably been told by 20 people to watch it like I have, and it's like... The moment I watched two episodes, I was like, oh, I probably should have been watching this. <laughs> it's really good. I mean, we're probably just going to have like a quick episode of Stranger Things Weekly here. Yeah. Um, so if you don't like Stranger Things or if you don't want spoilers, you can, yeah, go away. This is the, this is the last thing. I've, I've only seen season one yeah. um, because then I hated the ending. So I like refused. I like protesting and not watching season two or three, even though all of my Twitter is like, how good is Stranger Things? But, like, I just hated the way season one ended. Where it was, like... Well, it was supposed to be, like, a happy ending for me. And I was, like, all excited. And then it's, like, oh, the kid's still sick. And, like, there was, like, eight questions that they didn't answer because, obviously, they wanted season two. And then, like, that guy was going and, like, leaving the box full of, like, food or something. I I can't remember, like, yeah. everything I hated about it. Well, that but, yeah, I just, I just wanted, like, a more, like, concrete ending, I guess. Yeah, well, luckily... I'm not going to spoil season two for you then, but like all, all that's, oh, I'm not going to watch it. In like the first episode of season two, or like straight away. Okay, I watch the first episode and then I'll be done with it. But um, the reason why I've enjoyed it, or surprisingly, I've enjoyed it more than I thought, because I'm not actually the type. I don't really like the kind of horror stuff generally. I find because it's, it's not full blown horror; it's like thriller, more so. But generally, I don't horror doesn't do it for me because they just it's such generally a cliche trope most of it, just trying to scare you most of the time rather than tell a good story. So I was always yeah. like, oh, I first say generally hate things that are large kid casts. Generally, child actors can't act. Well, they've been picked for what they look like first. And then secondly, I don't not really that into horror, especially with children. I thought, I'll hate this show. But no, actually, I really liked it. And you're right, the end of this, the ending of season one isn't great. But I still think it's pretty, for a Netflix show, I think it's pretty good. You know, I think it's it's almost HBO levels of, of decent TV. I've, um, uh, this was, this is going back a few years um, we had, we went to a movie, there's me and a couple of mates I live with. Um, do you know like the Annabelle series, like with it around that doll? Yeah. And then I forget the name, there was one movie where she was like in the first five minutes of it, but then it kind of like was a different horror movie. Um, but she was in it a bit and I forget the name of the movie, but we went and saw it at the cinemas. And then of the three of us that lived in this house, two of us went straight home and the other guy's like, oh, I'm going to go out for a few drinks with like some other mates. We're like, yeah, yeah, sweet. And we had, like, this doll that was, like, two feet tall. And we found it at, like, someone's house cleaning up. And then it became, like, a game. Like, you'd hide it in someone's ute. And, like, you know, it just it was all over the place. Anyway, so we got this doll out of the cupboard. And we set it in Red's house, like, the third bloke, so in his room. So that when he'd open up the door, there'd be, like, this silhouette of this doll. Oh, anyways, we, like, just did that. Closed the door, went to sleep. And he comes home at, like, two in the morning. You just hear his door like creaking open, and then you see like, oh shit! And then just bang! <laughs> he just like kicked this shit out of this doll. <laughs> well done. Uh, well done anyway, so got up in the morning and talked to him, and he's like, "Man, I'm very impressed with my fight or flight response because I beat the crap out of that." Yeah, he, he should be happy though. Yeah, you're right. He, he didn't. He didn't shoot his pals. Uh, Instantly, he's like, "Beat the fuck out of this thing." That's good. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good test for your fight or flight. Uh, that's good. Well, I, I'm gonna see um. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm waiting for in a couple of weeks, Tarantino, that's the movie I'm pumped for. We're going to see Lion, Lion King um, this weekend, and I'm not even looking forward to it, but I'm like, as a movie person, I feel like I'm obliged to go. <laughs> apparently it was really good. I've, no, I've not seen the original or this one, but everyone loves this one, you apparently. You have seen the original so. Lion King? Nah. Gee, that's controversial. <laughs> yeah, well... I, I don't normally talk about it because like everyone's like, well, you haven't seen Lion King? And I was like, yeah, that's literally what I just said. Like, thanks for repeating what I just said. Yeah. But I said to someone today at work, and this went down well, I was like, yeah, I doubt it's even that good. I bet you it's just all nostalgia because you watched it when you were a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that went down as well as you'd think it might. <laughs> well, that's it. Um, 
not, I'm not going to give you shit for not seeing it. It's just one of those things that's like, it's... It was just played too often in people's houses in my childhood. It's I don't, it's hard to understand you didn't see it, because you're saying, like, similar age to me, but that's fair enough. Like, I understand people never seen Star Wars, I get it. Because, like, you know, at people our age, again, Star Wars wasn't played for you. You had to go find it to watch it. But like, he was like, yeah. I, I'd seen that at friends' houses so many times, not even trying to watch it. There's just, I'm surprised you hadn't seen it. A lot of times, too, like, if you miss a movie, like, not many people actually go back and, like, catch up in movies like that. Like, like obviously, what's happened here, like, yeah, I don't doubt Lion King's a good movie, but, like, I'm not really going to be 27 years old, and then, like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and watch Lion King. Like, you know, I just, yeah, i got better things to do with my time well, that's now. It, like, I'm, I was a cinephile uh, uh, other than sports growing up, and, like, I went back and watched movies before I hit the period of, like, you've missed this, if you get me. But if I'd also, like... Yeah. Stranger Things, I probably never would have watched it if I didn't go on a plane this weekend and, it, and like, it was on my laptop. I put it on there, like, oh, maybe I'll watch this. And that's, I put, I've, again, once I miss something, I'm like, you, yeah, I'm like, whatever. If I've missed it. You know? Yeah. But that's it. Lion King, I'm not expecting it to be good because generally, like, the live action remakes of these Disney's aren't good because, like, how possibly can a live lion entertain me at the levels of a cartoon can, just in general? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. But, uh,. Oh, well, I think that's it anyway. So we made an hour, mate. You're like, this is going to be a short one. It's never a short one. <laughs> we did like 35 minutes of questions and recommendations. Exactly. Always. We always get there, I'm going to have to like actually think like through the week about recommendations because I always get like an hour before and I'm like, oh, what have I done this week? What's good? <laughs> well, that's it. I'd, I'd forgotten about it until we started, but I'd watch Stranger Things on there. But um, I'm hoping that uh, if I see a good movie this week, I'm recommending that next week. What it does show me those simos... Um, Listen, when you listen to uh, JRVP, is that uh, they have new books almost every second week. And what I've shown myself, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a dumb-dumb. I need to read more. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how they do that because, like, they can't also be recommending every book they read, right? Like, they just, they can't be reading every, they can't only be reading good stuff. But, they, yeah, new book every single week they recommend. It's like, man, I just, I would get so bored, like, reading that much. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I don't mind reading. But I'm also, yeah, like, I I can if I like a book a lot, I can power read it. But I'm also one of those people, if I don't like a book after, like, 20 pages, I'm done. Like, I'm not, I'm not persisting. See, <laughs> I love the idea of reading. Like, I love the idea of sitting down in a couch, you got, like, the test cricket on, you got some frozen mango, and you're just, like, reading a book in it's summertime. But, like, I, I read Lord of the Rings, and it was, like... I read it because I was making myself read it so I could say I read Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, I actually struggle with like, the uh, reading at home now because, honestly, again, yeah. other things are more entertaining and relaxing when I'm at home. Like, I was, I was on the beach this week, lying there. I was obviously with Anastasia, so I didn't read, but that was one of the few times. But I'm away. I'm like, you know what? I could read. I'm relaxed now. I haven't got my other stuff. But when I'm at yeah. home, it's like, well, if I want to relax, I'd rather watch a movie or, you know, I'll go somewhere or I'll do something, you know, but not very often am I going for the bookcase. And again, unless it's like a book I really want to read. Like 50% of the books I own are sports biographies I bought while away on holidays and read the first two chapters and then got home. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I also get, I get bought a lot of sports biographies and a lot, often like people are like, it's, always, it's never by someone who knows me that well. It's sometimes like an artie or someone will buy me one. And it's like it's never like, hey, I bought this because I know you like this person. It's like I bought this because I know you like sport. And it's like, well, yeah. no, I don't want to read that biography, okay? It's like, it's like you know, I'm yeah. a, like I like I like Ricky Ponting. I don't want to read his biography. <laughs> you know, like all he, like all he did was win his entire career, and I'm sorry, there's people that aren't that interesting. <laughs> you read the biography, it's like, oh, we lost that series once. <laughs> yeah, oh, we lost three test matches in my career. It was hard. <laughs> Uh, we almost had the World Cup final rained out against India, so we bowled really fast and we got it. We squeezed it in before yeah. the rain. Like, good story. Exactly, that's it. So it's like, that's just not for me. I got that one. Someone bought me Roger Federer. I'm just like, I'm not a Federer fan. Whatever. Oh, send me that one. Yeah, I've got a, I'll read I've that got one. A, I've got like a whole box of them. When I moved house recently, I was like, man, there is like five or six biographies in there I'll never touch. Oh, here's one I have. I have three copies of Corey Parker's book. Yeah, I know. You said you were going to send me one yeah, like two years ago. I'll do that with you now. I'm sending you a care package. I'll throw that in. I have three <laughs> copies of those books. I'll tell you what. We'll do, we'll, let's, let's listen to the giveaway Some, somehow. <laughs> Someone's going to do something. I'll yeah. give you a Corey Parker book. Let's, um, 
I mean, we, we told people to tune out. Yeah. So, like, no, one, no one's listening to this anymore because no one cares about Stranger Things either. Um, but we should do it, which obviously we'll have to do it, like, announce it at the start of next episode. But, like, either reviews, like, people can review that and go into the draw, or, like, a good segment idea for, like, this podcast or whatever, which obviously we've had a couple sent to us. Yeah. But... Yeah, some more will always be good. So just something like that. Or we could, pu- we could maybe punish somebody by sending the Corey Parkers. Uh, yeah, worst question bad of the segment week. Worst, segment, worst question next week. You, gotta, we have, you have to give us your address, and you're getting Corey Parker's book. <laughs> <laughs> it, can't, it can't be a good read if I've been given it three times for free from someone else who got it for free. It just can't be because, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean. He sent it to me, and we'll see if I recommend Chapter 1 next week. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Hey! Hey! We're the Broncos, the mighty Broncos. We keep fighting every second till the end. We're the Broncos, the greatest team on earth. We're the heart of all Queensland. Till the end